Hi, Wine Delusters, and today I'm speaking with Darby Higgs of Vino Diversity. Welcome to the Wine Delusters podcast. My name is Janine, and I run a wine events business in Canberra, Australia. In this season, I'm talking to 12 specialists from the wine industry and the travel industry and asking the hard-hitting questions we all want to know leading up to Christmas. What to serve, what to buy, and where to go on holidays. So pour yourself a glass and let's get exploring. Darby is a wine writer and a wine enthusiast, but most importantly, he's the founder of Vino Diversity, a website devoted to alternative grape varieties in Australia. He's the author of some books, and I have two of these, Rare Aussies and What Varietal Is That? A Beginner's Guide to the Most Important Wine Grape Varieties. And these are such great resources for me. Darby is brimming with so much interesting wine information. It was a real joy to chat with him. So welcome, Darby Higgs. Welcome, Darby. Thank you very much for joining me. Can I start by saying how much I really love your work teaching us all about alternative varieties? Because I've learned a lot from reading your books and attending your virtual tastings. Can you tell us a bit about how you got into wine? Well, I've been drinking it for many, many years, but 15, no, 17 years ago, I was um, contemplating retirement, early retirement, because I'd sort of had enough of working for a boss and I was just looking around for something to do, a bit different, a bit interesting. And I'd been building websites and databases in my previous job. I just sort of, without really thinking much about it, I'd been just collecting a bit of wine from un- unusual varieties. I didn't even know the word alternative varieties then. And I had a party and I'd sort of dragged out a bottle of Arnaeus from Crittenden, um, the Italian eye series, probably would have been a vintage maybe 2001 or something. And then a friend arrived and he had a bottle of Arnaeus from uh, Pizzini. And uh, I said, oh, there's something happening here about this, <laughs> something going on. And it was just the seed was sown when the, the soil was fertile, if you, if you like. Uh, I, I saw that there was something interesting happening. It looked like it was changing. And then I had this idea that I wanted to do something about building a website and building a business around a website. And I thought, oh, well, I'll do something that's relatively confined, a sort of a smaller niche rather than a big niche. And at that stage, I was sort of naive enough to think that there wasn't many alternative varieties around, that there might be 20 or 30 of them. And as it's turned out, by that stage, there was probably over 100 varieties, uh, alternative varieties in Australia. There are now probably 160 or 180 or so so it grew and grew and grew but I sort of was in at the first um, stage of it and at that stage the internet was still fairly young and I did pretty well in terms of nobody else was writing about even say Tempranillo or or, or Sangiovese in Australia there was, and then I gradually got more interested started writing books I started selling maps from America, they were very expensive to post them over here. So I did a few things like that. But basically what I've done is I've had a long time just interacting with people in the wine industry. I haven't made a fortune out of it. I've had a lot of fun. I've met a lot of very, very interesting people and it's kept me busy and the mind active for 17 years. 
Oh, that's fantastic. I think having a, a job that you really love is important and not many of us are lucky mm. to, enough to do that. So that's fantastic that you have been able to. And now you've also diversified a little bit. You've started up a Thursday night wine chat. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I've done a couple of those with a, a colleague, um, Jenny Pollock, who does a lot of teaching online now, sort of formally for WSET, et cetera, et cetera. Do it a little bit more informally and people can just bring their own wine, get something out, and then on a Thursday afternoon, instead of going to the pub, just come on to Zoom and we'll just have a chat. So what I do is I give a little um, slide presentation on a theme at well, just have a chat and a drink and what's in your glass and what's in my glass. Tasting is, a, is an individual thing. So rather than me telling people what to drink or what it should taste like, I sort of try and encourage an attitude. And the attitude is try something different. Don't have a closed mind. We can get stuck into the, the big questions of the, of the interview. So what would we find on your table on Christmas Day? A favourite dish and what wine will you be having? Well, we, our families, we are still a bit um, traditional in that we have roast turkey and pork and ham and lots and lots of roast vegetables and all sorts of things that are grossly inappropriate to eat on a hot summer's day, but that's what we do. I, the wine that I really like, or the style that I really like, with that is, is sparkling red because Australian sparkling reds are very good. They're sort of they're robust enough to go with that meal. You serve them nice and cold. They're, they're fruity uh, and uh, and they a nice festive colour. So, and do you go for the sparkling Shiraz? Because I know that there's a few other um, wineries around doing other red grape varieties as well now. Yes, there are a few. I mean, there's you can get Malbec, Jerif, or the blend of Jerif, which is Morris's, which is one of my favourites. But most of them are Shiraz. Basically, I, I just go for uh, whatever's around. Um, <laughs> now, hmm. I reckon I have a good idea for this next question for, for you to answer. Um, what's your go-to gift for your wine-loving friends and family? I would buy your books and maps for a friend, but what do you give to your friends? This is, I see there's sort of questions about this occasionally on, on Facebook and people are saying, oh, I've got a, you know, I've got a wine buff friend, what can I buy him? And then I said, oh, you know, buy him a, a bottle of grains or a bottle of you know, something expensive or whatever. In a sense, it's probably better to buy them a good book, a good wine book, um, not necessarily mine, but there are, you know, at different price points, you can buy pretty good wine books for 30 something dollars. You can buy, uh, you know, Jansen Robinson's great big um, doorstopper book for 100, 150 or something. You can buy the Wine Atlas, etc. That way, you're not sort of guessing what that person wants. It's a great idea. But yeah. then, you know, you can sort of hand the person a bottle uh, of wine. If they're a good friend, I, I give them a bottle of wine and uh, make sure they open it uh, then and there. So, uh, <laughs> it, it, that's a great thing with the alternative varieties because you can be giving somebody something they might not have heard of before or have tried before. Yes, that, that's right. I mean, it, it is sort of part of that sort of educative process. You, you're giving the, giving the person an education as well as a, a gift. Yeah, no, that sounds great. So what's your favourite wine region or a wine region that you love to recommend to people in Australia? There's, there's a lot of the. I mean, the, there's the... The big one, just as I, I prefer to 
follow the smaller, uh, the unusual varieties. I, I, like, I like to follow the, the sort of slightly out of the way regions. And for example, in WA, I like to go to Geograph, which is north of the Margaret River. It, right. um, it's around Bunbury on the coastal area. It's, it's a little bit more focused on alternative varieties. I mean, Margaret River, if you love Cabernet, go to the Margaret River. If you want something a bit different, um, Geograph's an area. In South Australia, I sort of like Adelaide Hills. It's sort of very, um, very experimental in what they, they're doing there. Um, Riverland is becoming that too around Renmark. Mm. In Victoria, Heathcote's an interesting area, but all of the northeastern ones, Beechworth, Alpine Valleys and King Valley and Rutherglen are all quite interesting. New South Wales are like Mudgee. Mm. Um, and I've been up to the Granite Belt in Queensland, I think, two or three times, which is also quite a different um, experience. You wouldn't expect... Um, People are a bit surprised that they actually grow grapes in Queensland. Yeah, it's great but, up um, there. Mm. It's a high area and they've got um, cool climate there, so they make very good wine. Oh, that's great. Oh, so you've given us a tour all over the country pretty much. That's <laughs> food for thought. Um, so when international borders open, where would you like to visit? Or, what, or Yeah, I've been to a lot of the European places. What, we actually had a trip um, booked to Portugal uh, last year. Of course, uh, that didn't happen. And I'd like to sort of go back to Portugal. I've been two or three times to Portugal. And it's interesting because it's, uh, in a way, it's sort of, um, it's emerging out of, out, of, out of being sort of very much a, a peasant-based agricultural system. They've got a lot of different varieties. They've got mm. different attitudes about making wine. They tend to make uh, blends rather than straight varietals. When you say Portugal to a lot of people, uh, they just think of port wine, but in fact um, they drink table wine there. The port wine is mostly for export. Yeah, I think um, of Tariga if I think of a grape variety, but I don't know many others. Yeah, there, there are quite a few. Um, one that's um, becoming very Creating a lot of excitement in Australia is a variety called Arinto. It's a white wine oh, variety, okay. And it's it's quite prominent. I think about six percent of the area, you know, the grape area of uh, Portugal is Arinto, and it's a very very flavoursome wine. And the interest is is that it grows well in hot climates. It holds mm. its acidity in hot climates. So since I published uh, my book. My latest book on rare Aussies, it was classed as a rare Aussie because there were, at that time, two years ago, there were seven producers and now about 18 or 19 producers. Wow. So it's wow. on that sort of trajectory over in two years. But everybody who's tried it is saying, wow, this is really great stuff. Oh. So that's that's one from uh, Portugal. Keep our eye um, open for that, yeah. Yeah, so the, you'll, you'll find it, and, you know, there, there are... Well, as I say, there are nearly 20 producers now. Um, it's well worth seeking out. The other area that I, I went to was Puglia, which is the, oh, yes. the heel of Italy, which is a very interesting place. And they, uh, their wine is uh, often made with Primitivo, which is the Zinfandel, local version of Zinfandel. But they also have a thing called Negro Amaro, 
which is uh, an interesting one. And there's quite a bit of it in Australia. It's, and it's a very, it's a light bodied but flavoursome wine, quite dark colour, but light bodied. And it's, it's an interesting, interesting one. And that's the thing about alternative varieties. You meet people who are slightly odd, slightly eccentric. I don't want to be uh, unkind about them, but, but, but they're people with passion. And they're, they're, they're interesting people. They're not, they're not sort of people who are interested in being part of a, a, an industrial um, production line. They're people who are sort of breaking out. So that, that's what makes the wine and the story interesting because stories are always better um, when you've got wine and wine is always better when you've got a story. Oh, that's so, great, um, yes. Thank you very much for your time, Darby. That's fantastic. Yeah, thanks, Janine. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe now to get each episode as they drop. Go to winedelust.com.au for everything discussed today. You can also subscribe to my newsletter and hear of all upcoming events, news and merchandise. Till next time, happy wine travels.